And uh, as Julian said, we're, we're continuing in our series in John. We've had a break for a few weeks now, but we're going to get back into it this morning. And uh, we're looking at the second half of John chapter 14. And I've called this one Introduced into God's Circle of Love. So let's start with John 14 verses 15 to 18. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's amazing that uh, Moses gave the Ten Commandments, but he never called them his commandments. They were God's commandments. And Jesus is not referring to these commandments. He's talking about life under the new covenant. And he's asking us to keep his commandments, the commandments that he gave to us. Now, that is a reference of two things, faith and love for others. Faith in him and love for others. John summarized that in his first epistle, chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. He said, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of God, uh, sorry, on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So they're the commandments that Jesus is referring to, that we believe in him. Uh, That word believe is used 250 times in the New Testament, 98 of those times are in John's Gospel. And that's why we've called this series Eternal Life Through Believing in Jesus. That's the Christian life, is putting our trust in Him for salvation and then trusting in Him for everything we need. Amen. The just shall live by faith. And all through this Gospel, Jesus has been exhorting, encouraging, even commanding. It's a commandment that we believe on the name of the Son of God. Amen. And of course, there's the life that we now live in the flesh. We live by faith in the Son of God. Whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is your sufficiency. Put your trust in him. Build your faith in him. Build a relationship with him by simply trusting him, committing everything to him and believing in him and keeping your focus on him. Amen. And secondly, that we love one another as he has loved us. That's his commandment. Commanded those two things. And this is what he's been teaching in the upper room. I love these chapters, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. The, The teaching, the special teaching that Jesus imparted to his disciples on the last day of the old covenant, bringing them into the new covenant before he left this world. And uh, these were the two things that he just continued to bring before them, to trust him, to believe in him, and to love one another. After the foot washing, he said, a new commandment I give you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another and of course he also taught us taught them to believe in him let don't your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me so they're the things that he's commanding us and for the first time in this gospel Jesus speaks of their love for him now there's an important lesson there because all the way through he's been assuring us of God's love to us God's amazing love to us and now this far down the track the day before he goes to the cross he talks about their love for him now what does that tell us it tell us, tells us this that our love for him is a response to his love to us you know, as a preacher, I, I, I've got no right to command people or tell people to love God or to love one another until first I've poured out all I know about his love for us and assured people of the incredible, unfailing, unconditional love of God. And when we get a revelation of that, the natural response is that we love him. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. And uh, the real test of love is not emotion there is beautiful I love these times of worship and it's good that we pour out our hearts and emotions before God but the real test of love is not emotion or sentiment but obedience if you love me keep my commandments amen so there's a vital link between our love for him and our obedience to him remember those commandments to believe him trust him and to love one another he who has my commandments and keeps them we're going to look at this passage in a moment. Jesus said, it is he who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Then again in John 15 verse 14, he said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you what did he command us that we believe in him and that we love one another now some people say you know it's difficult to love others it's not difficult it's impossible <laughs> it's impossible I'm speaking from self I mean I've been around church life long enough to know that not all Christians are lovable Amen. In fact, some are almost as unlovable as me. That's the reality. That's the reality, friends. In the body of Christ, sometimes we come up against people, we clash with people. We don't like people, naturally. And, and we can't do it. That's why in the same breath that Jesus said, I give you this commandment that you love one another, he said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you a helper. The Holy Spirit. Everything we do is basically not what we do, but what He does in us. Amen? It's the life of the Spirit. We are now walking in the Spirit. We are drawing from His strength and from His life, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because we have the Holy Spirit. And we will need the Holy Spirit for this. So, in response to Jesus' request, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And the Holy Spirit had already twice been promised in this gospel. First of all, John the Baptist said this, 
that God said to him, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descending, this is the one, and he will baptize his people in the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water. What does that mean? He immersed people in water. But Jesus will immerse us in the Holy Spirit. He will baptize us in the Spirit. That's the life under the new covenant. Amen? And then John, sorry, Jesus, in John 7, 37 to 39, promised this, that whoever believes in him out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because he had not ascended to the Father. Amen? So he promised that we'll be baptized in the Spirit, immersed in the Spirit, and out of our innermost being will flow the life of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And he will be given as our helper. That's what he's called in this passage, our helper. That's the way that word parakletos has been translated. Our helpers. Literally means a person who's come alongside us to help. Para alongside kletos, to help. So he's come to help us. Help us what? Well, help us to love one another. Help us to do everything we need to do. But actually this word may be in the form of an advisor and a counsellor. It's, it's like when, when you're in trouble, you've got to go to court, you need someone, you need to know what to say and you need to say the right things to help your case. There's a counsellor, an advocate, an advisor to help you through that process. That's the, the meaning behind this word parakletos. Jesus had been their parakletos on earth. He said, I'm going to give you another helper. I've been your helper. I've been your parakletos. I'm going to give you another. Did he stop being our parakletos? No. He's now our parakletos in heaven. That's what he's doing there. He's there as our advocate, standing for us before the Father. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But we do sin. So John says, and if anyone sins... This is what we need to know. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Don't go around trying to justify yourself, excusing yourself. Let Jesus speak for you. Amen? He is your advocate. He is bearing witness to the Father. What is he bearing witness to? First of all, that sin has been atoned. The full judgment for that sin and every sin that this person has committed was placed upon me. And it's justice has been fulfilled at the cross. Amen. It is finished. Tetelestai. It's finished. And I have fulfilled all righteousness and imputed my righteousness to that person. So Jesus is bearing witness to the fact that we are without sin before the Father and that we are righteous in his sight. So he's still acting as our advocate. But the Holy Spirit would now continue that role on earth. One will plead our case with God. The other will plead God's case with them, the disciples, with us. So what Jesus is bearing witness to the Father in heaven, the Spirit is bearing witness to the Father's agreement 
with us on earth. So he's telling us what to say. So often we say the wrong things. I'm not worthy for this, you know. I'm not worthy that God should do this or that God could use me, you know. I, I, I'm not even worthy that I should worship God or, 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 or expect anything from him. The Holy Spirit saying, do not say that. You know, it's like your lawyer saying to you, when you go to court, for goodness sake, do not say this, 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 or this. Wrong thing. And the Holy Spirit is saying, stop saying those things. Say what Jesus is saying to the Father. You know, the Bible speaks about our confession. And that word confession in the Greek is the word homologia, made up of two words, homo, the same, logia, word, or to say the same thing. So we need to say what Jesus is saying. That's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us to say, to change our confession. Amen? Amen. That's good news. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. He's come alongside us to help us through those things. And, and the Bible says this, that he is another counselor. There's a word alon. There's two, two words in the Greek for another. One is another of a different kind. Another Alon means another of the same kind. So the Holy Spirit is like another Jesus, another Parakletos. The Holy Spirit's presence would be the same as Jesus being with us. Don't think that the disciples that lived on earth were more privileged than we are because we have another counselor, another Parakletos, the same as Jesus with us all through our journey. Hallelujah. Thus, we would never be alone, or as Jesus said, we will never be as orphans. Orphans are without a natural parent or guardian or carer. Jesus said, you'll never be like that. He will abide with us forever. When the Holy Spirit came, he never left. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, he said this. Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit, he dwells with you. He's talking to his disciples. He says, he dwells with you and he will be in you. So the Holy Spirit was with them when he said that. Because we know that Jesus was full of the Spirit. When he got baptized in the River Jordan, the Bible says that he was full of the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. And, and the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. And, and he was Spirit-filled. John, in chapter 3, verse 34, said that Jesus received the Spirit without measure. The fullness of the Spirit, in other words. Not just a part of the Spirit, but the fullness of the Spirit. So he's with you. Jesus was saying, he's with you because he's in me. He's with us now. But he will be in you as he's in me when I leave. This was fulfilled when Jesus breathed on them. You remember? And they received the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that word, uh, 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 breathe, is the word emphuseo in the Greek. And it's in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word that when, when God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. So there in Genesis was creation. There in John 2022 20, was recreation regeneration the new birth he shall be with you and he breathed on them that which was in him he breathed on them and they received the holy spirit they were born again now every christian 
has the Holy Spirit. And every Christian has all there is of the Holy Spirit. The question is, does he have all of us? You've heard me say that before. That's the thing. He will fill every part of us that we will give to him. When the Bible exhorts us, be filled with the Spirit, it means let him fill every part of you. You know, a prayer that I pray every day is that I offer my body as a living sacrifice and my members, the members of my body, as instruments of righteousness under holiness. That's what Paul taught us to do. And I pray that, that the Holy Spirit will have every part of me, that have his way, not my way, but his way. And the Holy Spirit will fill every part of us. You'll see the life of God at work in you and through you as you just yield yourself to him. And that's why I think you can see there are varying degrees of the manifestation of the Spirit. You see, sometimes you see the Spirit just so powerfully manifesting himself through others and other times. We look at other Christians, you can't see much of the work of the Holy Spirit. And it comes to, if we yield ourselves to him, he will fill every part of us. Now, Jesus said the world, the world cannot receive the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit is for born-again Christians, those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? In the Old Testament, there's a beautiful picture of this. When, when, when the, the priests uh, were you know, caught and consecrated for ministry, first of all, the high priest took some blood and anointed the ear, the thumb, and the big toe of the right foot uh, 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 you know, for service, for cleansing, you see? But then after that, he did the same thing with the oil. And, and, and you see this again, when, when a leper was cleansed, first of all, the blood was applied, and then the oil was applied. The oil cannot come where the blood has not been. So an unbeliever cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people think that unbelievers can operate the gifts of the Spirit. No, no, they can't. They, they, they cannot receive the Spirit of God until they're washed in the blood of the Lamb, until they've been born again. Amen. And, and Jesus said here that, he, I love this, because the Holy Spirit has many different names. You know, he's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of his Son. But here is called the spirit of truth. And why I love this is because today, truth is not popular. You know, we're not dealing with subtle heresy anymore. We're dealing with blatant lies in the world. Right being called wrong and wrong being called right. Blatantly, amen? But the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, will be, it is upon believers as the spirit of truth. And truth will come from us, like it or not, whether the world likes it or not, we need to be bold to speak the truth and to call it for what it is. Whatever the consequences, amen? Stand up for the truth, stand up for the word of God and let the Holy Spirit declare and proclaim truth because God has deposited truth in the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are the pillar and ground of truth. This is where truth is in the church of Jesus Christ. Not in the world. Not in the media. Not, in, not, in, not, not through the media. Um, and so we're dealing with a lot with blatant lies. But the spirit of truth, you know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit will raise up a standard against him. Amen. Okay. 
Jesus said this, I love these verses. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. That's divine union. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is what, why I've called this uh, uh, session today being included in God's circle of love. This is a wonderful truth if we can just, if you can just um, bear with me as I sh try to share this. Now the last time the world saw Jesus was on the cross. After his resurrection he appeared to none but his own, to his disciples. So the world has not seen him since they crucified him. But they will see him again. You know, the Bible says that when he comes at the second coming, every eye will see him. Uh, you know, for centuries people wondered, well, how's that going to be? Now we're living in days where that's incredibly possible for everybody to see at the same time the coming of the Son of God to the earth. But the coming of the Spirit, which is the era that we're living in now, would mark a new intimate relationship with God, not like the old covenant. You know, where the people were the other side of the curtain and only the highest priest could go in. Now that's been rent and we've been introduced into this circle of God's love. Divine love is the essence of God and the basis of spiritual union. Now, if you were with us a few weeks ago, I shared on uh, Abraham and Isaac, especially Isaac being a picture of Jesus, Isaac being offered up and so on. And, and, and you know, we, we looked during that, if I can just take time to remind you of this, we looked at the first mention of love in the Bible. Remember that? When God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love. Now that's a picture of divine love, God's love for Jesus. See, love does not have a beginning because God is love. So all that God is, he always has been eternally. But love has to have an object. So through eternity, the Father has loved the Son. You can read about this in Proverbs 8, for example, and other places where it says that he was daily his delight before him. The Father loved the Son. The, the Son loved the Father. This is divine love and all love flows. This is the source of love. Love, love is eternal. And, and, and we've been brought into that divine circle of love in a beautiful way to, to not, only, not only positionally but to experience it. It talks about it being manifest to us. So divine love is the essence of God and the basis of spiritual union. The Father loves the Son. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Do you remember when we looked at Abraham and Isaac? The servant went into the far country to find a, a bride for his master, for the son. Just like the Holy Spirit is calling out a bride today for, the, for, for Jesus. And when he met with Laban, he says something like this. My father, uh, my master is a very wealthy man. 
very wealthy. But he has given everything to his son. That's what we read here. Right? Everything that you need is in Jesus. The Father has poured all his riches into Christ. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. That's why we keep talking about Jesus here. Not worth talking about anything else, honestly. Not, we're not going to get into issues, into arguments over doctrines and things like that. We're going to keep talking about Jesus because everything I need, everything you need, is found in Jesus. And the greater the revelation you have of him, the more enjoyment you're going to have of him. And that's how it should be in the Christian life. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. And the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Now, when Jesus was on earth, in his humanity, he did not know everything. That's very clear. I don't want to go too much into that, but even, even, the, even the day of his second coming, he did not know. The, the Father knew, but the Son did not know. There was limited understanding. So Jesus lived by the Holy Spirit, and the Father kept revealing what he was doing to the Son so that they could be in union together. Now, that's how it is. That's how it is in Christ. That's how it is with us. We're, we've been introduced into this divine circle of love and everything God has given to Jesus is given to us and God wants to reveal to us what he's doing in the earth because we're workers together with him. We're co-laborers, fellow laborers and, and workers together to him to include us in his, the, fa you know, the family business. Amen? Amen. It's a great privilege when, when God... You know, the Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. God reveals his secrets to us. He don't, doesn't reveal them to everyone, but to us. So the son in return loves the father. How? Well, we've just shown that the evidence of love is obedience. And, and Jesus was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He loved the father so much that he, he just wanted nothing but the father's will. My meat, my bread, is to do the will of my Father who sent me. So we're brought into this circle of divine love. Can you see? you see what I'm saying? God wants to pour his love upon us. And as we receive his love, we, we return that love. How? By obedience. What's obedience? Believing in God, trusting in him, and loving one another. Amen? Amen. The Father and the Son love us and this is manifest in his giving his Son to die for us. In this is the, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now this love is communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. Paul says the, uh, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Wow. So Jesus was saying, don't, don't worry, I'm going, but I'm going to send another comforter, another helper, another paracletos, and he's going to pour the love of God into your hearts. I won't leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. And this enables us to love him in response and to love one another. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can keep his commandments. So our love in response to this is evidenced by 
obedience. 1 John chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Amen. We love God. We must love his family. Amen. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Oh yes, they're burdensome without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, they're not burdensome because it's not I but Christ that lives in me. Amen. So his love to us is first and we respond with love which is evidenced by obedience and then greater love and manifestation is given by the Father to us. This is not theory this is not you know kind of dry dusty doctrine this is life this is divine life brought into this incredible circle of divine love God pours his love upon us in Jesus God shows us everything that's been given to us in Jesus wants us to enjoy every spiritual blessing and God reveals to us his purpose and shows us how we're included in that and we we're enjoying divine life the light of God in a dark world. And as we love one another, so more love is poured upon us. Amen. Judas, not Iscariot, I love that. <laughs> Judas, not Iscariot. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. So Judas asked why is it that he would manifest himself to certain individuals and not to the world in a messianic sense. Why would not? But Jesus wasn't talking about that. I mean the gospel is given to everyone. But it's like we were saying before, you know, the oil cannot come with the blood, has not been. First of all, people need to get saved before they can have any experience of God, any, any kind of revelation of God and manifestation of his love. So this manifestation follows obedience to his commandments and obedience is rewarded. Now, the, the, you know, the, a lot of people are talking about the book of Revelation, especially the, the, the letters to the seven churches. And we know that many believe that the church in Laodicea represents the end time age or the church in the end of the age where, where the church is, you know, so successful in doing what it wants to do that it's been deceived and thinking, you know, we've got everything rich and increased with goods have need of nothing but it's miserable poor blind naked and and we know that because jesus is on the outside knocking on the door of the church isn't it we're not actually knocking on the door of the church but knocking on the door of individuals if any man opens to me i will come in and sup with him and he with me i think we i think we're in that age I don't know what you think, but I think we're in that age where, where the church, you can go to any church, and it's not really focused on Jesus. And Jesus on the outside. 
But Jesus is always knocking on the hearts, the door of the hearts of individuals saying, we can have fellowship. If you are open to me, we, you know, life will be so sweet, so beautiful. We'll have such beautiful fellowship. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I am. And now I've told you before it comes, that you, when it does come to pass, you may believe. So it's by the Holy Spirit that Jesus' presence and that of the Father would now be manifest. We're in the age of the Spirit. Just as Jesus revealed the Father, so the Spirit will reveal the Son to us. He will teach us all things by way of remembrance, bringing back to memory things that we, we knew but we've kind of forgotten, like when, when, uh, or, or maybe didn't understand them at the time. You've read things in the Bible, you didn't understand it. But then when, when the revelation comes, it all comes back to you. Oh, that's what that means. That's what he said to us in his word. And it makes sense. Like when, when Jesus said, destroy this temple and three days after, um, I'll build it again. And, and disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. They probably just nodded. Oh. But didn't understand it until he rose from the dead. Then it came back. Ah, oh, that's what he was saying. He rose from the dead three days later. And, and it's like that. The Holy Spirit is always bringing our focus on Jesus. That's why I get, you know, I, I kind of just get... Um, What's the word? Uh, suspicious? Is that too strong a word? When people are talking about the Holy Spirit all the time and experiences with the Holy Spirit, but there's no mention about Jesus. It doesn't bring us to him and open our eyes to him and cause us to fall in love with him. Because the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus spoke of the Father and revealed the Father to the disciples, the, the Holy Spirit is constantly revealing Jesus to us. Amen. So their training was not finished when Jesus left, but would be continued by the helper, the Holy Spirit. He said, my peace I live with you. Now we looked at that word, didn't we, last week? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. Shalom is a greeting that was spoken when they met, Shalom, and when they parted. Well, Jesus was parting, he was leaving them. My peace, Shalom, I live with you. He left the same peace with his disciples that he demonstrated even as he faced the cross. That, you know, that day he was going to be arrested. That day he was going to be nailed to the cross. And yet he had this incredible peace. He said, you know what? I bequeath that to you. I'm leaving that to you. You, you will experience the same peace. Later on, we're going to see in the next chapter, he says the same thing about joy. He left us his joy. He left us his love. Isn't that amazing? The, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. First three things. And Jesus said, I'll leave these with you. Praise God. Okay, finish up. He says, I will no, no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. 
but that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do, arise, let us go from here. So Jesus does not have time to share many things with them. It's the last day before the cross. It's the day of his arrest, actually. And the ruler of this world is coming. See, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, that was not his final encounter with Satan. Satan came back many times through different ways. But now he was preparing his biggest confrontation with Jesus through the betrayer. Satan entered Judas, who was going out to betray him, and it would end up at the cross. So, so he'd be on trial before Pilate, before you know, the high priest and uh, uh, the, the Sanhedrin, on trial here, I was being questioned and questioned, but Jesus was confident that he would have nothing to charge him with. And that's what happened. In the end, they had to fabricate an accusation and get false witnesses to get him. He had nothing. You know, Jesus once said to his uh, enemies, which of you can convince me of sin? <laughs> which of you can show me one thing wrong in my life? Could we say that? <laughs> If I said that, people would just say, well, hang on a minute. How long do you have? <laughs> Satan could find something with Noah. That's what I love about the Bible. It shows all these characters, warts and all. He could find something with Noah, with Abraham, with David, Peter, with us. But Jesus was the lamb without blemish. Satan would have no claim on him. In fact, the ruler of this world was himself going to have the tables turned on him and would meet his downfall by the very thing of putting Jesus on the cross. As his heel was bruised, so the head of Satan would be crushed. And we are standing in that victory today. Amen. But what a blessing to be brought into this divine circle of love. I hope you're enjoying the love of God. Focus on it all, you know, as much as you can. Don't let people get you into fear and anxiety and things like that. Keep focusing on how much God loves you. And, and as you do that, your love for him will grow and your love for others will grow as well. And you'll enjoy this manifestation of the presence of God in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. You're such a good, good God. We thank you, Lord God. We, we're just amazed because we know that it's not because of us. It's in spite of us. It's all because of your grace, because you're a good God. And we worship you today with all our hearts. We worship you. We magnify you. And yes, Lord, we will keep your commandments. We will believe in you. We will trust in you. And we will love one another by your grace, by the spirit of truth who lives in us. And so, Lord, bless us this day and throughout these coming days, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.